The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello and welcome to the Big Technology Podcast, a show for cool-headed, nuanced conversation of the tech world and beyond. Well, Amazon has a robot. It's a really weird-looking thing, um, but knowing Amazon's track record, everyone's going to say it's terrible, and then they're going to sell thousands upon thousands of them, if not millions of them. That's my prediction anyway. But let's actually speak to someone who knows what she's talking about on this subject. She's the senior writer at Wired and the host of the Gadget Lab podcast, Lauren Good, it's been a long time coming. Welcome to the show. It's been a long time, Alex. I've just been waiting for my invite um, to the Big Technology yes. Podcast. I'm thrilled to finally be joining yeah. you. It's great to have you here. You're um, you're really fresh out of this Amazon event, which is awesome. So we can sort of get into the details. Um, so first of all, just the obvious question, why is Amazon building a robot? Well, Amazon has actually been building or acquiring robots for a very long time. It's just that they've been deploying these robots mostly in its uh, warehouse network, right? And so robots are an important and increasingly important part of the way that um, Amazon sort of moves things around in its warehouses and distribution centers. I think the question you're asking, though, is why is Amazon getting into home robots? Because we saw a couple of autonomous devices revealed yesterday that. Suggest that Amazon just wants these things sort of, um, I don't know, rolling around or flying around your house uh, without you actually triggering them to do so. Um, And I think it just, like the big picture is that it just ties into Amazon's overall um, desire to push further and deeper into your home because it wants to sell you on its services ultimately. The, The hardware game for Amazon has traditionally been either a low or even a no margin business for Amazon. I mean, you can look back on Kindles, which it's been selling now for over a decade, and it's never really made a lot of money on Kindles, but it makes money on eBooks, of course, and people buying books from Amazon. And so I tend to think of the software and the artificial intelligence in these hardware products as kind of the connective tissue or like the sales engine uh, of what, what's actually, you know, driving revenues for, for Amazon in the hardware department. Totally. So what does this robot look like? What does it do? Um, what was your first impression when you saw it? Apparently in the presentation, they talked about how it was like waiting at the door for them when they came home. Yeah. Dave Limp, who is Amazon's uh, longtime hardware chief, mentioned that in an interview that uh, he did with Wired. Um, a couple of outlets actually got pre-reefed on Astro, the robot. I did not, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So my first reaction when I saw it um, in, during the virtual event yesterday was, I think I tweeted, oh, wow, this robot. <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly um, eloquent. Yeah. It's insight. It is interesting because Bezos had uh, in the past put on Instagram this uh, video of a Roomba uh, vacuum cleaner driving around his house with like an Echo uh, device masking tape to the top. Oh it's really? I must have missed kind that. Of, yeah, it was a few yeah. years ago. And it's yeah. Kind of oh, what they did? I don't all know. the Bezos headlines. I guess that one just yeah. somehow fell under the radar. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a pretty boring life, I guess. Yeah, yeah, so, uneventful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there were a couple of reactions generally to it. The first was, okay, wow, this robot. The second was, it looks like a robot dog, even though 
Amazon is insistent that it is not really a robot dog and that the name is not coming from the name of the, what was it? The Jetsons dog was Astro. Um, yes. And, and so they, they say it's not, it's not named after that dog. Um, and then the third response was something along the lines of, Hmm, it's like a robot vacuum cleaner that doesn't actually vacuum. What am I paying a thousand dollars for? <laughs> Which right. is fair. Um, so it's kind mm-hmm. of like the way I look at it is it's this cobbled so it's a thousand dollars. It's a thousand dollars. It is available by invite only. Uh-huh. Um, your opening statement. Uh, it's interesting because I think you're right in that sometimes people tend to underestimate Amazon's hardware products. In fact. Amazon has said as much that they, like even with something like the Echo, they under forecast um, how well that would do. But in this case, I think they really are only going to sell a limited number of these robots because it's available by invitation only. And they're not going to sell millions, um, maybe in the thousands, maybe more than hundreds is what I was told. But um, this is going to be a pretty a pretty slow rollout. Um, and I think the way to think about it is it's just this combination. It's like a this, um, I don't know, amalgamation of Amazon technologies kind of Put together like it, it has far field microphones so you can summon alexa on it, it the tablet looks like a 10 inch echo show tablet um it, it it integrates with ring so you can use it as a home security monitor um it also has cameras in it so you can video chat on it directly then then there's like the robotics part of it which means it's using computer vision and artificial intelligence to kind of map the space around you and then it has uh these wheels, you know, and five motors built inside of it so that it can kind of multi-directionally move around your house. And then, oh, by the way, just in case you wanted to do this, <laughs> it can carry a payload on the back of you know something around f- five pounds or less, right? And then I think someone said there's even like a cup holder. There's a um, cup holder. I saw that. Maybe you can holder. bring a beer over to you. Yeah. yeah. That's always been the dream with robots, right? It's everyone's best case scenario <laughs> for a home robot is it gets a beer for you. But I guess the question is how, that, how does that beer get into the robot in the beginning? Yeah, doesn't the robot the after the robot does not have uh, dexterity yet? Cannot open the fridge yeah. for you. Um, there's also this like periscope-like thing, this rod that extends from the top of it um, and acts as a, a, para, a periscope camera. Um, it is like weird. It's weird. What's that for? It's uh, video chatting, I guess. Um, ah. Maybe maybe video chatting at a at a good angle, you know, coming from above. I, video yeah. chatting when you're standing up. I, I'm actually not sure. Like I haven't, <laughs> but I'll just hear use this in person. Um, it, it just, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But interesting is a nice vague word to talk about the way that you feel. How do you feel about yeah. this robot? Yeah. <laughs> um, the way I feel about it is the way I described it in Wired is that it's a robot without a cause. Because Amazon is putting this out there into the world as part of their day one program, which is, let's call it as a beta testing program. They're relying on customers. They're hoping that customers will opt in to sending back data about how they're using this thing. So that ultimately helps define the use case for it. Now, Amazon has had time to think right. about this. They have been building this robot for nearly four years, uh, Dave Limp told me. And during that time, it's gone through a lot of different iterations. Um, you know, they've had to change course in terms of which processors they're going to use to power it during that time because the chip industry moves pretty fast. Um, they've had time to think about like what this is actually for. And yet yesterday, it still felt like a bit of a shruggy in terms of what it's actually for. Like, it's, is it for yeah. elder care? Is it for um, surveilling your home? Is it for like treating it like a pet dog? Is it for using Alexa to 
I don't know, control your lights and tell you dad jokes. It's, it's really unclear. And that to me feels like, like with all consumer technology products, I'm constantly evaluating that trade-off that exists. I tend to try to think about them philosophically and think about the trade-off that exists, like what you're getting in exchange for how much data you are giving these machines. And in this case, the value proposition is just not there. Like, what are you going to get aside from saying, I have a cute thousand dollar robot in my house in exchange for giving, giving yeah. Amazon more and more data about how you're using its stuff. And that to me just seems like it's not, I, I, I wouldn't put it in my home. Can we speculate a little bit? Like what, what do you think some use cases could be? You could just, yeah. Um, I don't think you should ask Katie, Katie yeah. Metopoulos from BuzzFeed. Okay. About this. <laughs> I knew that story was going to come up. <laughs> I'm not even going to say the headline. All right, I'll say the headline. What, what, okay. Katie, Katie from BuzzFeed, um, <laughs> who's an excellent former reporter. colleague of mine, dear, yeah, dear former, former colleague, colleague. excellent, yeah. excellent reporter and masterful <laughs> troll. Um, said, uh, would you would you have sex in front of Amazon Astro or something like that? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, what would you use it for if you had it in your home? Well, not that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I really don't know. Um, I mean, like I, I like the idea, like maybe it could play music and follow me around, but I'm also like, I, you know, um, being close to the tech community, I've come across a lot of people who have like a natural hesitancy to have any Amazon device in their home. I don't know. Do you have any? You know, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. so what's funny is the home I'm living in right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> get into this yeah yeah not Um, your house so it's not so i'm renting from a friend Uh and my next door neighbor happens to be casey newton um some of you may know friend of the podcast friend of the pod and uh, runs a great Substack called platformer everybody subscribe and um and so he lives next door and then i live in this other house and we're both renting from a friend and that friend happens to be kara swisher and some of you may know who she is i was like i don't know are you going to shield the identity (laughs) (laughs) yeah well, I mean, apparently she said yeah. on the Pivot podcast recently, she like referred to me as her tenant right. and Scott Galloway was like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, the, so the news is out. Um, I've also been podcasting from Kara Swisher's closet. Um, but uh, nice. yeah, well, cause like it, it's just the better, better sound, but um, well, that's but, not where you are now. Or no, that's really not where nice I am now. I'm in a, yeah, yeah I'm, no, I'm, in, I'm in a, a so does Kara's now. house have echoes? So she, so she yeah. has a ring, which ah. I have never used, which is a, Owned yep. by Amazon as, as our right, and that's the and smart the smart doorbell where you can like see people as they walk in and exactly yeah yep. So this is my first my actual first yeah. ex- I think it's my first experience with a ring. Yeah. I know my the parents company have has the ring doorbell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do they like it? And uh, I guess they like it because but I if I had that when I was in high school I would have been screwed. <laughs> they would have definitely you been caught sneaking in. Late oh my night. god! Yeah, what time do you get in? You know, always you subtract two hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can't get past them with this thing. Sorry, now as you get older, no, I was going to say, now as you get older, it's yeah. the opposite. It's like, oh boy, I hope, yeah. you know, Amazon doesn't know, Amazon doesn't know I'm going to bed at eight o'clock. Exactly. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, starts like, <laughs> I don't know, like. <laughs> well, now they do know. Starts marketing like yeah. orthopedic insoles That's to right. me. That's yeah. right. Um, which is probably already really... happening, to be honest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then I did have, um, you know, it's funny, I have this like little gadget museum here. Um, I was inspired by Walt Mossberg to start one. I just have all these like, these, you know, gadgets of, of lives past um, on a shelf. And one of them is the original Echo speaker. 
Uh, it's not in use right now, though. I do have a Google, I can never get their naming right, the Google Home Nest Hub, Google Nest Hub now. I forget what it is. It's just like they, they've changed the name. They need um, it. But I yeah, have that um, that I've been trying for a little while because it does uh, some sleep tracking using radar. It does not have a camera. Mm -hmm. I thought that was right. kind of interesting. It, and also, it's, mm -hmm. some of it is on device processing, which is a big a big buzzword now in, in the field of artificial intelligence. So, mm -hmm. I, so yeah, I try lots of these things. But um, Ring, of course, the Amazon brand Ring has been controversial because of its hundreds of partnerships that it has with the law enforcement community. and um, some of the devices, such as the, uh, the one that we saw yesterday, the flying drone for inside your house, are being excluded from those partnerships. Meaning, wait, wait. I believe we, we haven't even covered this. So we have to. I know we got to talk about the drone. Well, just yeah, let's pause there. What okay. is a fly, flying drone that is inside your house? Yes. So this is also a part of Amazon's like invite-only launches, and it was first announced last September, September 2020. And there was a pretty strong reaction to it because from, from privacy advocates, digital privacy advocates, because it is a drone under the Ring brand, um, has you know plastic tip propellers and has cameras on board. And, and kind of you can either press a button to force it to fly around your home or you can um, sort of create these presets for conditions under which it should autonomously emerge from its dock and fly around your home. And um, it's basically Crazy. supposed to record any kind of activity that's happening inside your home. And, yeah. and the pitch for it was, why have multiple cameras, multiple ring cameras in different windows or areas of your home, when you can just have one that goes to the area of activity, whether it's like an intruder or a raccoon, I guess those two things could be synonymous. And so... It was like this weird pitch for what for what this thing should do, and of course, all anyone saw was, "Oh my God, surveillance drone inside your home," and uh, there were some concerns raised by digital privacy advocates as to whether or not there were microphones on board, because if there were, then that could potentially be in violation of FCC wiretapping laws. And oh, well, know, hold on, because mm -hmm. but don't the people buy the drone and put it in their house? So where, where's the you know they willingly do that? So. They are surveilling this themselves. Is true. And it turns out that it actually does not have microphones. It only has okay. cameras. So I actually, yeah. as far as we know, as far as Amazon says, yeah. it does not have microphones. Um, so I got that wrong initially, as, as I think a lot of other people did. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a point of, there is, there is the point of, and it's a good one. If you sign up for the Amazon day one editions, you know, yeah. beta invites and whatnot, early invites, and you opt to buy this thing for $250 and put it in your home, then you are opting into that. But then on the back end, of course, there's the way that Amazon either creates default settings for what's ultimately going to be shared. There's, uh, you have to examine the options for opting out. Even if you opt out of certain things, are there instances where certain data um, could still be shared under I don't know, instances of a crime or information being subpoenaed. Um, yeah. If they say that there's some, some of this, um, that some of the artificial intelligence is processing data, you know, whether in this case it's not voice data, it might be video data, if it's happening on device, how much of that actually is happening on device or locally on the piece of hardware, how much of it is going to Amazon's cloud. There are all kinds of questions um, that even if you as a consumer say, I'm going to buy this new tech thing, which we do all the time, millions of them, right? Like iPhones yeah. or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, there are still settings that have to be considered or in there. And I think a lot of it also comes back to defaults, what the default option is for what is ultimately being shared with the tech company that's selling you the product.
Yeah. And when stuff is in the cloud, it's sort of like, yeah, it's your device, but that company owns that data. You're, you're right. a customer, but you're a user and you're sort of governed by the rules of the company that's hosting that stuff. Right. Like, for example, if you're using an Alexa device, um, Amazon has over the years introduced new features that allows you to every single day, if you want to go on, go into your mm. settings and say, delete all of the voice recordings, all the queries yeah. that I gave to Alexa today. But there are exceptions. Like if you, if you connect your Alexa app to a third party app where there's some kind of financial transaction that happens, such as use it to call an Uber, order a pizza, that's not going to be erased because you're involving a third party and there's a financial tra transaction happening yeah. there. So there are all these little nuances. Um, and I think in general, people just, Ask the you know ask the question throw up their hands and ask the question why do you need a drone flying around inside your home? Yeah, well, this is the one interesting thing about Amazon products um, is that they first I remember how dumb the Echo seemed to me at first. Now I have three of them in my house, all connected to each other. Which one? It's actually do you have? pretty amazing. Just the old school Echoes uh, because They're you not can the play ones a with song. The screens. Mm -hmm. No screens. No, that's a little too much for me. But you can play a song and walk room from room and. The, you know, it's all synced together. I think it's pretty nice, but, um, do you, use your, do you use your Alexas for anything other than summoning a playlist or something using music, I guess, music timers, um, timers. Okay. and alarm. Yeah. That's pretty An much alarm. It. Sometimes okay. I make, Oh, and I listen to like AM. Well, yeah, I listen to AM radio through it also. Like I'll have it play the sports, uh, talk radio show. So, and of course, um, yeah, weekly big technology podcast listener through the echoes. Just blast on all three. You know, That's I right. recommend to anyone out there to, to be uh, doing the same. It's, it's really a great experience. And we do you will have broadcast like parties drones and where you invite people over? Stuff. Yeah. To do listen to the for, show? Yeah. Where you just say, you know what? I'm not going to play Spotify chill mix number six today. Yeah. I just, I'm going to just yeah. put on some big technology. Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, it's a, a struggle enough for me to keep my friends. And so I wouldn't want to make it even, even harder. <laughs> Uh, well, that, that's but, what happens when you keep moving away. That's true. That's true. Oh, well, anyway, we'll talk about it during the break. <laughs> but um, I, I wanted to ask one question because um, I think this will kind of be a nice segue into our little, our next uh, half, but our next segment. But I want to ask one question about um, the reaction. You know, I think technology over time, and maybe this has always been, has been about A, what it does for you, but B, about how others react to it. Like the iPhone is obviously a status symbol. Um, the Apple Watch is a status symbol. Um, you know, people used to get like the coolest new gadget so they could show them off to their friends as much as it would be to use them for themselves. I wonder what you think the reaction from people entering homes with the robot and the drone is going to be. Is it going to be like, oh, this is cool or is it going to be, what are you doing? You know, that's a really good question because I don't know if you remember this, but probably two or three years ago at this point, there were people in tech, covering tech, you know, writing about tech, tech pundits, who were raising the question as to whether or not you should alert friends if they're entering your home and you happen to be using huh. a, a Google Nest speaker or an Alexa device. Do you remember this? Um, it was like a trigger warning for a smart speaker. Yeah, like just so you know, yeah. there's a... Yeah, you're being surveilled. Yeah, you're being surveilled <laughs> or, or potentially listened to. Um, and then... It, it, it was a good question to ask. It was an yeah. important question to ask, but then I think it kind of died down. And yeah. now- Which side do you fall on? Um, I have let people know that there is a Google Nest Hub in my bedroom. Oh, okay. 
How do I say that delicately? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, But and I'm trying to think, I guess I've used, maybe I've used Sonos. I've de- you know, it's funny. I've used a Sonos speaker too, that has Alexa built in. And I, and recently I was using that and I didn't, I didn't tell anyone who would like sit and watch a movie with me. Like, by the way, this has Alexa built in. And I tend to think of myself as um, not a, a huge um, sort of like a privacy warrior, but something that I'm very concerned about and and think a lot about and think like wired's coverage is is incredibly important. Um and so I think at this point like you know I have to say most people would probably go into a friend's house and they'd say look at my drone and then yeah. maybe there would be a cascade of questions that come from it but inevitably the person right. would be like huh isn't that crazy that's cool yeah. or like look at your cute robot dog right yeah. and then it's like yeah. look at what my cute robot dog can do. Um I think You'll have the occasional outlier who says, like, no, like, no way, get that thing out of my face, or I would never have that. Um, but I think for the most part, there's this um, sort of, I don't know, we be, we become inured over time, I think, to how many devices that have cameras and microphones are actually present in our lives. Yeah. And I think that's only, they're only going to proliferate even more. Right. And we carry one in our pocket at all times. Yes. So, so exactly. d- where does this, this fit exactly in the Amazon uh, mix? Like, is it, it seems like it's, I mean, maybe like the echo, but is it it's part hardware? Uh, it's part commerce, uh, maybe part, some of its premium services like Amazon music, or I guess like if this thing thinking about the best con- case scenario for Amazon, what does that, what does that look like? And what business does that help the most? And this is for Astro. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Ultimately, Amazon wants you to be tied into its services. So whether that's watching some kind of Amazon Prime video, um, whether it's ordering something using voice control from the bot and then having a display that shows you what you just ordered or puts you into a recurring order, um, whether it's it's somehow integrating with Whole Foods, you know, at some point, maybe the payload at some point gets bigger and it's actually like carting your groceries around. Um, Maybe there is a B2B opportunity for this, this kind of bot to roll around different stores or retail spaces. Um, I mean, I think ultimately Amazon just wants to sell you stuff and this is a better way to do that. It's also a way to get even more data about how people are just living in their households. Um, And Amazon's, They're just, they're putting sensors in our homes. I don't know if you happen to see, uh, I did a story earlier this year about how I had installed an Amazon smart shelf in my linen closet. Oh, yes. Yeah. The cheapest thing. It's like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. has no design value. It's just a, it's just a black scale, a black plastic scale. And Mm -hmm. um, you can get a small, medium or large. They're all $20. It cracked me up because I was like, there's no (laughs) differentiation in price between, between these pieces of plastic. I put it in my linen closet. I programmed it to, to recognize when I had toilet paper sitting on the scale. I the whole time I was just saying, "This is so. This is so dystopian. This is so weird. I can't believe I'm doing this." And um, you know, I think I installed it like late 2020, late December 2020, and then the toilet paper started coming in in January. And then every time I was very close to running out of toilet paper, it ordered more. More and yeah. this giant box of Cottonelle toilet paper would show up at my door. <laughs> and I never, I have not, I've yet to run out of toilet paper. Um, yeah. And so there was this, admittedly, this exchange 
where I didn't have any visibility into what Amazon was actually ordering for me because I wasn't, sometimes I would just miss the email and I wasn't price checking. But I exchanged that for an extreme convenience, which is here is a replenishable consumer good that I am just now getting over and over and over again. And I think like that's a very small version of the Amazon dream. We're all just like not thinking about it. And these things are just very present and they're just constantly buying us stuff. Yeah. Like while you were describing the robot ordering things, like I was thinking like maybe that Periscope that you mentioned scans your refrigerator and then sends an order into Whole Foods at some point. Which, you know, and totally see that that, happening. Thinking about that, thinking about the scale that you mentioned, like there is a level of convenience there, which is why people kind of like using Amazon stuff. 100%. There's there's a crowd of people who are determined not to use Amazon products. Um, I mean, good luck with that because of AWS, which supports a lot of the other applications that we use in our day to day. Um, But there are some people who say, I don't want to buy from Amazon.com and I don't want to use Amazon Prime. They're very, you know, specifically sort of calling out those verticals. And that's fine and fair. And I actually, I respect that very much. Um, I think, like, if anything, maybe not putting the burden of, of, you know, need it now, two day shipping on all of the workers who are just working tirelessly and doing backbreaking work for Amazon, like I think that's better. And the more that we can all sort of check our consumerism, the better. Um, but then on the other hand, like you talk to, I don't know, you know, young parents um, or new parents, I should say, who like just need diapers and they don't have a set of free hands or someone can't just go out and get them. And by the way, Amazon also happens to have the best deal at that moment. Like that, they're they're just going to Amazon. They're getting the same day delivery. Yeah. They need the thing. Um, there are people who are, you know, they have mobility challenges or um, they're part of the accessibility community. They can't get around very easily. They need to order things to be delivered to them, right? Like there are like use cases where Amazon's convenience is incredibly valuable. Um, and then and then there's just a lot of us who are lazy. <laughs> That's yeah. like, should we just order stuff I'm from Amazon? Yeah, um, pretty addicted. Yeah, so. and, I'm, and I'm pretty sure, like, mm-hmm. we're, like I think what we're saying is a, a, like a little bit of conjecture and some anecdotes, but like mm-hmm. I'm sure Amazon has very fine grained data yeah. oh, on yes. exactly what we're describing as well. Yeah. Well, it is interesting that you mentioned uh, over the course of this discussion that this day one program. So uh, let's go to break, and then after the break, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between how Amazon and Apple. Uh, reveal products and you know how they think about products differently if you're up for it um, i think it's really interesting and i know you've spent a lot of time watching apple so uh, why don't we do that right after the break here on big technology podcast we're hanging out with lauren good and we'll be back right after this the linkedin podcast network is sponsored by tiaa in the last 100 years we've seen financial markets swing new currencies come and go decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. 
I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Beret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back here for the second segment of the Big Technology Podcast. We have Lauren Good with us. She's a senior writer at Wired and the co-host of the great Gadget Lab podcast. Lauren, welcome back. Thanks, Alex. And thanks for saying Gadget Lab is great. Yes. Well, indeed it is. I'm a, a faithful listener. I wanted to ask you a little bit, and we don't have to go into too much depth about it, but it is kind of interesting to compare the product strategies uh, of Amazon and Apple, where it seems like Amazon just kind of throws everything they can against the wall and hope it hopes it sticks. And Apple is very intentional about what it releases. And I was thinking about this in particular when we talked a little bit about like what's a status symbol uh, versus like what's like functional technology. Um, and Apple seems to definitely be on the status symbol line, although its products work well, you know, speaking to you through MacBook. Um, and Amazon is just like, let's just throw stuff out there like this robot and see what happens. So I'm curious, like, if you could describe some of the difference, both uh, in terms of strategy and the way that they even present the products is very different, right, when they when they release them. Yeah, this is this is a great point. And um, although sometimes I, I do believe, and I think I wrote this recently about the Tesla bot and the absurdity of the Tesla, the dancing Tesla bot, that it does seem like <laughs> a lot of product demonstrations are just like thrown together with digital duct tape. Yeah. Wait, and, wait, can you, let's pause. Can you talk about what this <laughs> Tesla bot was? Because I thought that that was like an absolutely hilarious <laughs> yeah, situation. Uh, it, Elon Musk invited a, a robot that Tesla has been working on that is using its uh, Tesla's custom AI chip. Um, invited this robot on stage, and the robot sort of walked like very, you know, arthritic and stiff armed, <laughs> like up on stage, and then all of a sudden just bust out into dance. And it was so clear from the fluidity of this robot moving that it was actually a human being just trolling everyone. Um, <laughs> and, and then Elon said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but said like, but don't worry, there really is a bot, and it's just like we're just not ready to show off yet. But there, there will be like a Tesla bot. And I and I I thought it was hilarious too because I was thinking, oh wow, like the joke's on us, right? Like we're so used to these, like just like people salivating over like the product launch and mm -hmm. and and like there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes to make it look all smooth and seamless. And in this case, there's just a you know, there's just like a here you go, here's your here's your dancing robot that's not actually a robot. And oh, by the way, when we make the robot, it's gonna replace you at your jobs. Um so sounds uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes the future of the big technology and gadget lab podcasts are going to be hosted yeah. by robots um but yeah back to your question about the differences in the launch events i mean there are pretty significant differences between amazon and apple and i would even say between google and, and facebook and microsoft too. throw them in the mix but for the sake of amazon and apple i think the way that they present their new hardware really underscores what their businesses are, because for a long time, I mean, Apple's services business is growing and has been growing fairly significantly over the past few years, but Apple uh, makes its money off of hardware, selling us very expensive hardware. And um, I mean, the margins vary from product line to product line with Apple. 
And now we actually don't even get as like clear of a breakdown in terms of unit sales for different product lines um, because they stopped doing them, their earnings reports in recent years. But we know that Apple makes uh, a significant, um, the, the majority of its revenue from selling hardware, whereas Amazon, once again, is selling you on commerce and services. And so there, there is a little bit of that throw everything at the wall and see what sticks approach that Amazon has. And a little bit, it's a little bit more experimental uh, through its day one program because it really is like it's, it's testing AI more or mm-hmm. less, right? And it's using yeah. us as beta testers for its AI where Apple has to get things right um, pretty much right out the gate. And, um, and then hopefully because you love the hardware and are willing to spend $1,000 or more on the hardware, you also get hooked into Apple's services. They also have very fundamentally, I don't, say, I don't know if I'd say very different, but they, I think fundamentally they have different approaches to, to how they handle user privacy as well. Um, I mean, another remarkable thing, Apple doesn't always get it 100% right. And um, I mean, you might think of something like AntennaGate from years ago. Yeah, um, or the and, Or yeah, the HomePod just like honestly didn't didn't gain a lot of traction at all. Yeah. It's not that, I don't think it's not, it's that it didn't work. It's just, it was a really expensive speaker that did very little. Mm-hmm. Um, or when you it's think about- It's a really the, great uh, encapsulation of the HomePod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just didn't offer much. Didn't do much. Um, and it was, I think it was like three or $400. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, when you think about the trouble they had with their their MacBooks, in particular the MacBook Pros in recent years and the keyboards, and um, I think there were some overheating issues one summer. Um, you know, they they don't always get it right. And then last year the iPhone launch date slipped a little bit, and then this year the Apple mm-hmm. Watch launch date has slipped. For the most part, though, like Apple is an operations company. The way that they managed to deliver their hardware products at the same time, you know, every year, you pretty much know what to expect. And the fact that they've been able to do that consistently now for so many years is actually remarkable. Um, Also, given all the supply chain challenges that we know that tech companies are facing right now, it's even more remarkable. Of course, companies like Amazon and Apple make things at scale. So that makes managing that a little bit easier. But I just don't know if there's any other company in hardware right now that has the same grasp on the supply chain that Apple does. And so that may be one of the reasons for the differences between Amazon's approach and Apple's approach as well. Yeah, like Apple would never like throw out a robot and be like, maybe a hundred, few, a few hundred people will get it and we'll just sort of test it and see what happens. Do you think that gives, I am curious, I wonder, well, yeah, I'm going to ask it. Do you think that gives Amazon some advantage over Apple in building products in the long run? Uh, maybe that's a ridiculous question, but I think it's worth putting out there. And then like in terms of the services mm-hmm. stuff, like um, there must be a little bit of competition in, in services between Apple and Amazon. I mean, they both have music and, um, you know, they both sell, you know, there's certain packages of, of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I wonder if you think that there might be some budding competition there as well. Oh, I think there absolutely is competition. Because I think what you're describing is they actually are quite aligned in some of their services, Mm -hmm. businesses. Um, You know, Amazon's not in social. Um, Apple isn't really in social, although I have long said that I think iMessage is their kind of secret social network. Um, 
but they're both into they're both into original content now, right? Amazon is making stuff through its Amazon uh, Studios, and it's it's winning awards for it, and mm-hmm. it markets it heavily on Prime. Apple has invested in, of course, of Apple TV Plus and its own originals, and I think I think Ted Lasso won some awards too, right? So they probably yeah. they probably both have statues now. Yeah. Um, yeah, good old right. Ted Lasso. Um, they're both mm-hmm. into games, although I do believe Amazon has the distinct advantage there because of Twitch. It owns Twitch. Um, they are, I mean, they both want you using their cloud services one way or another. I think with Apple, some of that exchange is a little bit more explicit, right? Like sign up for our cloud service or our cloud bundle and get XYZ. Whereas I think Amazon just it has its obvious prowess and like running like the infrastructure of much of our consumer internet. Um and so, um, yeah, I think like if you just kind of take away the, you know, the cheap pieces of Amazon hardware versus the custom design, um, really sleek, full stack Apple hardware, and you kind of, uh, and you look at their, their services businesses, I think there's a lot more convergence happening there than there was in the past. They're also not, Interesting. neither of them are really like into the like workplace category, the way that. Google is the way that Google and Microsoft have been battling it out. Um, so yeah, I think I think you're you're not wrong to like couple the two of them together yeah. and ask what the deal is there. Can I throw out another uh, place that I just thought about that they're going to compete in in a pretty big way? Absolutely, advertising uh, oh, because yeah. Apple is building out its own ad platform. Amazon has like a pretty serious ad platform of its own. A lot of people use Amazon on the web. I don't know. I'm curious what your take on this is, but I feel like the Amazon website plays a much bigger role in Amazon's well-being than, let's say, the face the Facebook website does in its well-being. And so, describe, describe that a little bit more. Yeah. What well, I think people that? who shop on Amazon like to use the desktop website, whereas people who use Facebook like to use the mobile app. I could be completely wrong about this. That, that at least describes my experience. And and the reason why I bring it up is because. Apple's recent privacy changes, uh, were, which allow you to opt out, uh, really hit Facebook hard. Right. And I think that Amazon has all this interesting purchase intent data that, and I, if, if I'm right about the website being more important to Amazon, um, then it won't really be hit as hard by Apple. So you could actually end up seeing a very interesting fight between Amazon and Apple on the ad front as well. Do you buy it? I, you know, I... You know a lot more about this than I do. Having um, you've worked in ads and you've reported on ads, I don't mm-hmm. really cover the advertising business. I mean, I remember, I think it was back in 2016 when Apple did a pretty big overhaul to its app store, and it first said that it was going to allow search ads at the top of its app store, and that was a pretty that was a pretty big shift at the time. And I believe its efforts around that have only increased. Um, but in terms of just like I don't know if it's a direct comparison there in terms of what they're doing in mobile advertising to what Amazon mm-hmm. does and essentially promoting its own brands or allowing others to promote their brands in, on the Amazon.com website. Um, and I don't know. I just I, I don't know how. That's a good question as to how Apple's new rules, which actually were introduced in iOS 14, I believe, right? But they right. just started to take effect within the past few months. Yeah. I don't know if how that's actually going to affect Amazon's business, but it's a good it's a good question. Yeah, go ahead. I just think it will be a fascinating competition between those two companies. And Apple has like a few less arrows in its quiver to shoot at Amazon 
the way that it's been shooting at Facebook. And I also think it'll be this amazing um, match between the two with these two very different product philosophies, you know, uh, and how they get their devices out in the world and then compete on the services front. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to watch. One of the bigger battles, I think, in the tech world uh, that we'll see moving forward. Well, I'm going to be reading big technology to find out yeah. if that's the case. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the plug. Um, <laughs> is there, is there, uh, I guess like, let's wrap up with this. Um, this uh, was Amazon's first big launch um, after Andy Jassy has taken over. Um, I, I know that this stuff has been in the pipeline. We talked a little bit about the uh, Instagram post that Bezos did with his uh, Roomba. Um, but I'm curious uh, if you have any sense about what the product direction is going to look like uh, under Jassy. I mean, I guess the big question is that people asked is, is Amazon still going to be inventive under him the way it was in, under Bezos? And this, of course, was definitely a Bezos idea. I mean, you can look at his Instagram and see. So I'm curious what your read is on Jassy, um, you know, whether whether the, the company had any noticeable differences at this event uh, under him than it did under Bezos and, and what we can expect moving forward. It's probably a safe bet to assume that the products we saw yesterday, we're taping this on Wednesday, this Amazon event happened on Tuesday, you know, from, from the Ring Always Home Cam, which is the drone, to um, like Ring, you know, new software alerts for Ring doorbells and cameras, the Blink video doorbell camera. I, I, I honestly can't keep track of all of them. Uh, the <laughs> thermostat, all of these things have probably in the pipeline now for about 18 to 24 months, I would think. Um, and in, with something like Astro the Robot, um, I think I may have said this earlier, it's been in the works for nearly four years. So I'm going to guess that most, of, if not all of these products preceded Jazzy taking over the helm of Amazon. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure. I think Amazon has deputized, you know, when it comes to its hardware. Um, I think Dave Limp really is the person who is running the hardware business. And I think that um, a lot of what Amazon has come up with in recent years has not only been on its own, but through strategic acquisitions, whether it's been companies like Eero or Ring or Blink or others. And so um, I can't imagine, I don't know, I haven't been able to really like draw the thread yet. And, and say like how Jassy is going to affect the hardware business. So you're asking me a good question because now I feel like I need to go report this, but like, yeah, but I don't, I can't imagine that the hardware strategy changes all that dramatically, at least in the near future. Right. Well, I'll be interested to read your story if you end up uh, publishing it. Okay. So let's just do a, a quick, uh, uh, you know, roundup here. Uh, so Astro, the robot is going in your house. Uh, no Astro, the robot for me. Thanks very much. I will say yeah. though that I have I signed up to get alerts when the drone is available. Are you getting the drone? No, I mean I don't I don't know. I mean maybe I'm like actually yeah. on some blacklist where Amazon says right. like they scour the list for reporter emails <laughs> and then they say no, we're not yeah. sending it to them. But I did right. um, put my email in to be alerted when I can order the drone because I just yeah. feel like I need to I feel obligated to try it. Wow. Well, it's gonna yeah, it'll definitely <laughs> produce a lot of interesting reviews. Personally, no robot, no drone for me. I'm happy with my three echoes. <laughs> and that's going to do it. All right. Lauren Good, thank you for joining Big Technology Podcast. First time 
definitely won't be the last time. Lauren's senior writer at Wired, host of the great Gadget Lab podcast. Go read her story. It's called Amazon's Astro is a Robot Without a Cost. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks, Alex. This was fun. Super fun. Thank you, Nick Guadney, for editing the audio. Uh, we're doing a day of turnarounds because we want to do something newsy today. So appreciate your hard work, Nate. Thank you to Red Circle for hosting and selling the ads. And thank you to all of you, the listeners. We'll be back next week. Uh, if all goes according to plan, we're going to have someone who built Facebook products for teens. I think you'll be interested to hear what he has to say. So stay tuned for that. Until next time, I uh, hope you enjoyed and uh, we'll be with you next week.